Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the DFS Army Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Shane Seeley. You can follow me on Twitter at TheFlexNetwork1. Today, I am joined, of course, by Brandon Adam. You can follow him on Twitter at BrandonDAdam19. And way down south there, we got Mike Dickinson at Mike underscore Dickinson. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? What's going on, boys? What's going on? It's a <laughs> it's a rainy day here in coastal Delaware, but it's been beautiful for the last ten days. So, I guess uh, beautiful. I can't re- I can't really complain. It's summertime. I love it. It's summertime, I'm baby. Doing good. Need to get a little bit of content out there about some deep sleepers, and I'm excited to do so. Yeah. So today's show, we are going to be discussing sleepers. Some are deeper than others. Mm-hmm. We define a sleeper as pretty much anybody that you're going to be drafting out of after round eight. So that basically is top 100, won't count as a sleeper, 100 and beyond, we're counting them as a sleeper. And let's not bury the lead. Let's go straight to Mike, because Mike's got some sizzle. Mike's got some fire. Who's your first sleeper, Mike? All right, so I was taking a little bit of a, a little bit heat, a little bit of heat in the pre-show meeting for not making Rashad White my first sleeper. Uh, I've been on this guy <laughs> since the beginning, but he's got some cachet. I think my my position on him is well documented. So I'm pivoting. I'm not doing a positional pivot. I am doing a player pivot, though. I am going way, way, way down south, down to the heat, the sweltering, dry heat of Texas, to Houston, mm. to one Damian Pierce. Running back from go. my from uh, University of Florida, so he's currently going. Uh, and this is a underdog ADP. He's currently going 129th overall. I'm going to list off the other gentlemen that are that are in this running back room, and I want you to tell me if anybody scares you. We got Marlon <laughs> Mack coming off coming off injury. We got sexy Rexy Burkhead. We got Royce Freeman, who honestly I thought was a I thought he was doing construction or HVAC or something like that. And then, <laughs> yeah, we, have Dario Gumbel, then we have Dario Gumbawale. There's nobody in that room that really scares you. You know, looking at the one knock on Pierce is that he didn't get a ton of running college. You know, he averaged just north of 100 touches his last two years. But when you look at his stats, like he's exactly. 5.5 yards per carry on the ground. He's 9.4, 9.4 yards per catch in the air. Um, four years he played, he – He's under, he's at like 370 touches. So he's got a ton of tread left on his tires. He's 5'10, he's 224, he's got a 21.7% college dominator rating. Um, They drafted him in the fourth round, generally with these running backs, anything fifth round or above, you like to see. I mean, we kind of, demarcate that that fifth round the elijah mitchell line is that fifth round so you know mm-hmm. I, I i really like i like the situation that he's in i think it's setting up for him nicely to be to get a ton of work early i, I see a very real scenario where he gets 215 225 touches during the course of a 17 game season and the thing that you worry about is that he's never really put his body through that much that much workload but yeah. you know if the coaching staff can manage him and can manage the workload you you feel really good about it and especially where he's going he's going 10th 11th round i yeah. mean if you if you kind of if you go running back and then wide receiver early if you go running back first round get a dominant running back hit wide receiver for your next five or six rounds then go quarterback then go tight end i mean to pick up a guy who could be a starting running back in the nfl in the 10th round uh, give me that all day i'll take it yep 
You don't hear any complaints out of me, brother. I love me some Damian Pierce. This this guy is a Tasmanian devil of a runner. He is fun to watch. He his attitude is there. I think he's going to be a leader within that locker room. He has that electric personality that people gravitate towards, especially in the NFL when it becomes a job. You want guys that make you make work feel like fun and that's what this guy does um that's exactly what the coaches say about him his teammates say about him i love that pick Mike. how long are you gonna hold damian pierce so you say so you draft him mike and marlon mack starts off you know he gets that that veteran respect and look marlon mack was a decent fantasy football player when he, when he was playing right um the houston texans are probably not going to be very good this year again which means there might not be a lot of opportunity for for touchdowns um what do you need to see from Damian Pierce so that one, you hang on to him when he's on the bench uh, and two, you know, you just continue to hang on to him. Like what if he's not getting the usage? Like what do you need to see to, to see right, so in week so, four or five? So this is a little bit of a strategy piece for me. Um, I think as you work a little bit further down the line, and this isn't really, I'm not, we're not going to talk about him as a sleeper, but as you work a little bit further down the line, you get to the situation down in new Orleans and you know that there's a pretty good shot that Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended. They brought Marlon, they brought uh, Mark Ingram back for a reason. So if I can pick up Mark Ingram in the 12th, 13th, 14th round, somewhere around there, and you know you're going to get three to four weeks of production out of him, then I don't really need to see, I don't need, Pierce is not somebody that needs to be in your starting lineup. So it gives you a little bit of luxury. You can hold on to him three, four, five, six weeks. He's a 10th, 11th round pick, so it's not a ton of draft capital into it. Uh, so if you can if you can be a little bit strategic early, there's going to be opportunity for that. You know, Maybe you get a situation in Baltimore where J.K. Dobbins starts mm-hmm. on pup because his knee isn't coming together back the way that the coaching staff thought it was, and you, you, know, you pick up Gus Edwards in the ninth, 10th round. Like, those are all <clears> – <throat> there's opportunities there for you to build your roster so that you don't need production out of, this, out of these sleepers early. Be patient but, with rookie running backs, people. Be patient. Yeah. Give them four weeks at least. Four weeks. Takes a month. Okay, so that that's the magic number. That's that's the number I was trying to uh, trying to get. So four weeks. I kind of I, I buy into that. Um, we know that there's always such a mad rush. Like we, you know, we've been studying these ADPs literally since February. We've we've been doing best ball since February, and the problem is is that a lot of times, especially later rounds, we're completely off on on. Mm-hmm player usages and that's why week one week two for the waiver wires is always just it's just madness right mm-hmm. and sometimes if you see damian pierce who got eight touches in week one or and then maybe 10 touches in week two didn't really produce they weren't really in the red zone it's going to be very tempting to drop that player but we're preaching patience and i would say you know what this is a sleeper show so i would i would suggest patience for a lot of these guys um but you know it's case by case so brandon who's your first sleeper Mine is an old name that's just dropping in drafts, and I don't understand why. I, I understand, kind of, I understand, but Cream Hunt, Cream Hunt is one of those solid, solid RBs that you know what you're going to get out of them. <clears throat> it's obvious the Browns have a very defined role for him and that he is a pass catching back and he will get some run in between the 20s as well. And he gets a lot of the third down work. Um, last year before his injury, he was a RB one guys, RB one. He, I mean, he was lit. He was literally just absolutely being a top 12 RB and he's getting zero respect. Now he's, he's going late uh, around nine and beyond. And I, I just feel like people are dropping the ball because 
everybody's talking about Deionis Johnson and uh, Brian or who who do they draft as well? I forget. I forget what the Jerome name Ford is. Jerome Ford. There you go. Um, they drafted Jerome Ford as well. Um, people thought that he could be a trade away target because of his contract, but it seems like to me that the Browns are dead set on keeping him this year because I think they understand with Watson and this whole situation that they are going to be running the ball probably more than anybody in the league between Chubb and Hunt and Ernest. I think that I think that room, I think that's how they're going to try and win games is going to just be through the run game and simple play action pass game. Um, and we'll see. But the minute Watson comes back, then his elite pass catching can take it, take you into a, a, a nice level on those third down uh, opportunities. Mike, you want to jump in? Yeah, I think that, you know, with it's obvious, I think it's pretty obvious we're going to see a decent chunk of Jacoby Brissett this season. So it would not surprise me to see the Browns play much more 21 personnel than they played in the past. You know, it's they they don't have they have Amari Cooper, but beyond that, they don't really have elite pass catchers. Um, They let Austin Hooper walk. They uh, obviously OBJ isn't there. There's been talk about him going back there, but I'm hard pressed to see that. Um, Mm -hmm. they, They really don't have much outside of that. So in a. I think that we could see this be a painfully slow offense to operate kind of similar yes. to what Seattle was last year. So in that situation, mm-hmm. I mean, you see, we've seen new England do it a couple of times where you're running. I don't think, I don't think that Cleveland's going to be running the ball 40 times a game, but I think mm-hmm. that it's legitimate that you could see, you know, 35 touches out of this backfield on a game in and game out basis. So what's that mean? I agree. That means 18 I agree, man. for Chubb. Yeah, 18 to 20 for Chubb, 12 to 15 for Hunt, and then you sprinkle in a little bit of Dearness Johnson and maybe Jerome Ford down the line. The only thing that scares you a little bit about Hunt is that, you know, his he's got the injury history. And when Chubb went down, he didn't fit, he didn't, he didn't step up and take that RB1 role the way that you would hope to see. But he's a ninth round pick and he has the complimentary role. I think he's actually stronger in the complimentary role in this Cleveland offense than he was in the KC offense. One one little tidbit about the production when Chubb went down. They also lost Conklin that week as well. Um, they're right. That guy. There's a reason why they signed him away from Tennessee is because that dude is one of the best run blocking right tackles in the league. And when he went when he was gone, that whole line just completely got stifled. He he is the main driver behind mm-hmm. the the big runs. I'm telling you. They in Tennessee they say run left behind Taylor One. Um, in in uh, the Browns land, it's going to be run right because that's where Conklin is hanging out and just leveling those ends and creating room for Chubb and Hunt. But I just, I mean, he was getting about four catches a game, dude. Like he got up to seven catches in one game. I mean that that tells me that they trust him wholeheartedly for the past game and you got to be explosive somehow some way even without a Deshaun Watson um and I think being able to throw the ball uh to these backs is going to be one of the sneaky ways that will be they'll be doing it and they're going to be hammering on it quite a bit and to protect Brissett like you said I also think they might be someone that could go get um Jimmy Garoppolo if if Watson is gone for a whole year um that is a possibility there is rumblings about that and also there is rumblings about um jimmy going to houston where the old new england staff is and set up so that is somebody for davis mills truthers i'm sorry to hear that like i had davis mills i like i was hoping to be able to get a nice cheap quarterback but there is rumblings that that could be possible 
That's interesting. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm lower than consensus on, on Kareem Hunt. He's going just right around mm-hmm. running back 30 to 33, depending on what you look at. I have ranked in my RB 40. Mm-hmm. If he's traded, which there was some discussions about him being traded, just with the fact that Jonas Johnson's there and Jerome Ford was brought in. I like Jerome Ford. Um, Cincinnati's was kind of a local boy, right? In Ohio. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great sleeper, right? I mean, we've seen it, the production. He finished as, a, as an RB2 last year in points per game. Yeah. He only played eight games, but when he's healthy, <laughs> he's productive. The problem is, if, if, if Deshaun Watson's not there, to be honest with you guys, I got Amari Cooper, and then I'm out on everybody else. I might be out on the whole um, on the whole squad if, if Watson's gone for the year. What was that, Shane? Yeah, Amari Cooper is going to continue to fall in draft. So, Amari Cooper is going to continue yeah, to fall in drafts, and if he falls, then I think he'll be a value. But everybody else, yeah, it'll be it'll be bad. Um, okay, so talking about my sleeper, a gentleman that I just can't quit this guy. All right, <laughs> he's entering in the fourth year in the NFL. He's played a total of fifteen games. Mm. Shea Perry, Paris Campbell, wide receiver mm-hmm. of the Indianapolis Colts. This is it, guys. It's do or die season for Paris Campbell, and it's truther season for Paris Campbell as well. He was one of my play- favorite players coming out of college. He was well drafted, right? He was drafted at the end of the of round two, and in OTAs he was playing as the two alongside Michael Pittman. Um, I will say that. The Colts generally prefer to play in three wide receiver sets, which means Alec Pierce may come in as a big slot, I think, to start. Um, they still have Ashton Doolin, who could also play the st- slot. And Kiki QT, if you guys remember who Kiki was, he's also profiles as a slot wide receiver. So, I mean, Paris Campbell is likely going to be the flanker. He's a deep ball. He has the insane speed. He ran 4 3 1 at his four, uh, for his 40 in the when he was being drafted. And he's six foot 205. So that's a 99th percentile speed score for that size and weight. So Paris Campbell, one more season. He's basically frame drafts. He's going as wide receiver 76, 176 overall in underdog drafts. And then at the NFSC, which is a high stakes leagues, I'm starting, we're, we're finally starting to get some more data. So when we went back to the middle of June. So we've got about 80 drafts, and he is going as a wide receiver 78. So he's still completely forgotten. Matt Ryan is the reason I'm still in on. Paris Campbell. We've seen that he's got the ability to keep two high-end wide receivers fantasy relevant. When you look at Calvin Ridley, you look at Julio Jones, very similar skill sets to Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman. Um, We did our top 10 wide receiver show on the DFS Army Bull Calls this week. Go check it out on the channel. And one of my honorable mentions just outside my top 10 was Michael Pittman. So I'm super high on Pittman. And for the same, for a lot of the same reasons, I'm in on Paris Campbell. So Mike, roast me. Uh, <clears throat> I don't. I think on the surface, I think it's a. I think it's a great sleeper. He's cheap. Where's Where's he going in drafts? Uh, One seventy six overall. Oh yeah, there you go. So I think I think it's I think it's great. He's essentially free. He's the bottom of your roster. If he doesn't pop, you know, you can you can get out from under him. The biggest thing with him has been his injuries. Like his injuries have been what's kept him off the field. So if he yeah. can stay healthy, I, I don't know if it's something with the, with the training room there, if it's just the way that he's been working out in the off season. But the town's been like you said, he's got the draft capital. Um, he's got a he's got a much more <clears throat> much more stable quarterback now. I mean, he went from. Mm-hmm. He had Andrew Luck his first year, but then he went Phil Rivers, and then he went Carson Wentz last year. So, you know, now he gets, you know, a veteran, a good veteran, somebody who knows how to play the position of quarterback. Not that Phil Rivers didn't, but he was kind of at the end of his career. He was dust. I like it. I love the setup. Brian? 
You're nuts. I don't know. I'm out. <laughs> I, I was Paris. I I was on Paris a while back. I'm off. The guy can't stay healthy. He's small, and he. I mean, he has he, the, the the people in the building like him, um, which is a big deal. They haven't gotten rid of him, so they obviously like him. But I don't know. I with Ty being gone, maybe there's a role with that. But uh, I just I I'm all in on Alec Pierce, man. That guy is going to be the number oh, the wide receiver two in that offense, and I think it's going to be pretty clear early um, that that's the direction they want to go. I think he's just going to become their little Jordy Nelson, and he's going to be able to do a lot of stuff for them and help out Pittman and take away some of the coverage. But yeah, Paris got oh, man. Like I get it, dude. I it's get it. I get so I get it. It's a sleeper per- deal. Yeah. From a strategy per- perspective, Damian Pierce, rookie running back, you want to give him some time. You want to be patient with him. You're willing to wait three, four weeks before you drop it him if right. he's not producing. Paris Campbell, no. If he doesn't produce week one, I'm considering dropping him. If he doesn't there you go. week two, he's gone. He's off my team. Yeah. Right. That that's the churn. That's how quickly you have to be willing to move on from these guys. And and, and the, yep. one of the reasons we like these sleeper discussions is because these are the types of players that it, think of them as as preseason waiver wire runs, right? These are the players that that are likely going to pop because when you draft your team and you compare that team to the end of the season, dramatically different. Maybe five or six of your core guys are still going to be on your team, but these sleepers are going to be churned. And that's what we highly recommend, right? I mean, the draft is only one part of it. So we're taking swings on, okay, who do we think are going to be hot waiver wire targets after week one? That's essentially what you need to think about when you're drafting from rounds 10 on, really nine on, right? Mm-hmm. And Paris Campbell's that guy. Mike, who's your guy as your second sleeper? All right. <clears throat> so for my second sleeper, I, as a as a general strategy in my drafts, I tend to A, wait on QB and B, wait on tight end. So mm-hmm. for all the folks out there who are of that same mindset, I present to you Austin Hooper, tight end of the Tennessee Titans. So um, you look at what he's done the last two years in Cleveland, and it's not been overly impressive. Cleveland had a bunch of guys jamming up that tight end room, though. It's kind of odd that they paid him all that money when they still had Njoku, and then they brought in Harrison Bryan around him. You kind of wonder what they were doing. But I think they say Cleveland's going to Cleveland for a reason. So, you know, there's a reason (laughs) that they've had, what, 445 starting quarterbacks since they came came back into the league in 2003, 2002. You know, starting with the Tim Couch era. Oh, no, it was 99-99. Anyway, so I digress. You look at Austin Hooper. You look at what he did his breakout year when he was in Atlanta. 75 catches, 787 yards, six touchdowns. All right, great. In a vacuum, that that's lovely. But you say, what, what leads you to believe that he could actually replicate that going into Tennessee? What we will look at is the next year. So remember, in tw- going into the season of 2020, I was a big John o. Smith guy, you know, looking at the rate that Tannehill had targeted tight ends in the previous year, you know, after he took over as a starting quarterback, um, you liked what you were seeing. So the left tackle, I think it was, I think it was Taylor Luan got injured um, game four, game five, somewhere around there. The first four games of the season before that injury, and what happened after that injury is they kept Johnny Smith into block because obviously the run game is the core of what the core of what Tennessee does. Um, the app, but those first four games when when Luan was healthy, you look at what Johnny did. Johnny had 18 catches, 221 yards, and five touchdowns. So you basically extrapolate that out over a 17 now 17 game season, and those are very similar numbers to what Hooper put up in Atlanta in his great year. Now I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to be that, but if you get 85% of that for where you're drafting him, he's going 186 overall. He's he's as 
he's as close to free as you're going to get when it comes to tight end. So if you're going to wait and you're going to, you're going to stream tight end, he's a great, he's in a great position to start the, the reports coming out of OTAs and, and voluntary team activities are that he's been, he's been on the same page as Tannehill. He's grasping the offense. Well, he's a leader in that locker room. Um, You know, you've seen the the struggles that Burks has had. You see that, uh, you know, that Woods obviously isn't back yet. He's going to be the one. So he's developing that chemistry with Tannehill that I think is super important. And I love him where he's going. Yeah. He's free. (laughs) Yeah. 399. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'd rather pay just a little bit more at like 175 and get Evan Ingram for a lot of the same reasons. I mean, we, this, the, the, the pro Austin Hooper is again, just you look at the team around him, it's going to be a low volume passing offense, but Austin Hooper could be re- that reliable target for Ryan Tannehill. And um, he's not going to cost you absolutely anything. So, I mean, if, if you absolutely decide to punt on tight end, and I mean, he probably has more value valuable in a tight end premium league. So 1.5 to two points per reception, because I don't really see Hooper getting in a box all that often, but he could probably get four to five receptions every single game, which again, for a free tight end could, could be absolutely worth it. So I don't know. I'm kind of agnostic to it. I don't hate it. I don't love it. I mean, it's, it's deep. And I, to me, there's just no sex appeal with Austin Hooper. Brandon, what do you think? I, t- I understand I understand Mike's logic here. There is a void. Last year, it was very apparent. In- the void was big with the tight end position with the t- Tennessee Titans. They missed Johnny Smith when he was signed by New England. Um, not having that other red zone target did work against the Titans, I believe, especially when Henry went down. There, it was just A.J. Brown. That's all it was, you know, and so it, it was a- hard to move the ball a little bit. Um, and score at, at a high frequency because John, you know, if, if you have a freaky athlete like Johnny Smith going down the middle, you have to cover him. You just got to, it, there, you got to think about him. And Austin Huber has had some good, good years. He is a good, talented tight end. And I get it. There's a role to fill. And like you said, there's a lot of question marks in this passing game and Hooper is a pretty steady Eddie. So, We'll see. I I I, I kind of like it. It's good, especially for underdot like you know best balls and stuff. Like you can just get them at the end of your drafts and just fill in. I don't mind it. All right. So filling in a team. Who's your second sleeper, Brendan? Man, I, I I've been going back and forth over here. Do I want to change it up from the name I gave it gave you, or do I want to go with that name? Do you want me to go with the original name, or do you want me to go with the this? I want person you to do what your heart tells you, Brendan. My heart is telling me to say Tim Patrick. Heart tells Tim you. Patrick. Tim Patrick is a wide receiver out of Denver. He is the one of the best wide receivers against press and man. Whenever he he t- absolutely torched Trayvon Diggs in Cowboy Land when it was just man up, he actually scorched him. Um, this guy is legit, and he can actually handle some real volume. And in this offense, we really don't know how it's all going to shake out right now. We really, everybody thinks Albert O. Some people think Albert O. Some people think Jerry Judy. Most people think it's going to be Sutton. But if you're going to be doing these underdog best balls, I don't mind Tim Patrick at all where he's going. 117 ADP. That that's that's free. That that's going right next to Tyler Boyd. And I think that is a more sneaky offense to invest into the Denver Broncos because. I think that offense is going to absolutely take off with Russ and we're going to find out they're going to work out a lot more matchups and think about it this way. Tim Patrick was doing that last year with Teddy Bridgewater and that's it. 
You know, imagine what happens when he's got a quarterback that can actually sling it and be confident and know that Tim that's going to know Tim Patrick is going to run the route correct. Like that's what Russ is all about. He's about timing. He's about just getting that ball out early. And when the play breaks down, then he will go deep and probably throw it to Sutton. But in within the offense, Tim Patrick is going to have a massive role in this offense, I think. And especially in best balls, I love Tim Patrick. But the other one was Dante Foreman. I'll give him an extra one. Dante Foreman, he's my lottery pick. He's my lottery pick running back. Um, if, if CMC does get hurt, which is very possible. If you talk to Dr. Mike here, it's very possible that's going to happen. Um, and if that does, Dante Foreman proved last year that he could carry the load what he did in Tennessee in those last games, he was getting 20 to 22 catch uh, attempts a game. And he was getting hundred yard games, man. That's what you want at the end of the season when you're breaking, you know, your team's getting beat down with injuries and Dante Foreman is that kind of guy. That's going to be a lottery ticket. That's going to be on your waiver wire, you know, mid season before CMC goes down. So that's another guy. I'm just absolutely smashing the button in, in uh, best ball under on underdog for sure. So this is Brandon Adams' class. This is classic Brandon Adams. Okay, he's he's a constant line pusher, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so Kareem Hunt, his ADP was ninety two. We said ninety six and later. Okay, that's a line pusher. And now we ask for one additional sleeper, and he gives you two additional sleepers. So you're I mean, welcome. I to say it about that. You're welcome. Exactly. You're welcome. Um, touching on Tim Patrick, last year, last season, he had a seventeen point three percent target share. Um, we obviously know Jerry Judy missed a number of games because of the injury. What, what, what do you think? Like. Is is twenty percent target share realistic for him, or do you think that Judy's going to continue to increase? Like, what's a, what's a fair target share? And if he's not getting seventeen, eighteen percent, he's probably going to be highly touchdown dependent. So, mm-hmm. I get, I, like, are you comfortable starting? Say you have two, say you have a, a league where it's a deep, it's three wide receivers and two flexes. Are you starting him as like that second flex? Are you? Is he more of a bench start? Well, at the start so of the, what, the way I would work Tim Patrick, if I'm working that, I'm looking for teams that are going to man up on the other guys if they have a dominant so the way teams usually play against dominant wide receivers they double that dominant wide receiver and then they send their dominant db to shut down the number two option so that's what was happening last year with tim and tim was smoking those number one dbs that were doing that one-on-one with them and that is the the matchups i'm looking for and sometimes though they will put the dominant db on the, the number one option and just let them go um and then you just take out and then you just play uh, cloud coverage on the other side. And that is something that could happen, but that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for highly man type defenses to play Tim Patrick against. That is my number one rule of playing Tim Patrick. So zone coverage, you wouldn't love that. No, no zone. No zone. No man. Yes. Okay. That, that's, that's good. So it's like a week to week thing. You have to, it's a week as, to week as you're thing, deciding. Yeah. Right, so as you're deciding your flex plays on a weekly basis, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna favor that. Um, do you have anything to say about either of those guys, Mike? Yeah, <clears throat> uh, I I had Dante Foreman on my list as well. Um, you look at what he did after Derrick Henry went down. Before Derrick Henry went down, he was averaging four point three yards a carry. After mm-hmm. after Dante Foreman came in, Dante Foreman averaged four point three yards a carry uh, behind <laughs> a beat up line behind a beat up line in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, so I really like the signing. I think that there's, I think that you look at, you know, pathways to potential playing time and there's actually two for Foreman. The first is that they don't give 
Christian McCaffrey the full complement of snaps that they have been. So he's 65 to 70% of what he's been doing. You know, McCaffrey is obviously he'll, he'll be in there on early downs. He'll be in there on passing downs. But I think that what you see is that, they they start to swap in and rotate in form and more than more than they have been in an effort to preserve him because obviously McCaffrey is a very unique player and he brings a very unique element to the game and you need to account for him when he's in there but if he's hurt he can't be in there so either they either his role changes and decreases and Foreman gets run that way or McCaffrey gets hurt and Foreman gets run that way so yeah. I love that <clears throat> on the Patrick thing I think that you look at you look at how Russ likes to distribute the ball. There's a reason that, you know, the DK Metcalfs of the world shined when he was in <clears throat> when he was in Seattle. He he's a shorter quarterback. He can't get to the middle of the field as easy, as easily as some of these taller guys can. So I think the perimeter receivers there, looking at Sutton and looking at Patrick, the perimeter receivers are going to be the ones that shine in Denver with him. So I think a 20% target share for Patrick is is within the range of outcomes. And if he hits that, then I'm perfectly comfortable with him as a, you know, as a as a as a second flex option in a deeper league. Yeah. Yeah. I see this is something that I didn't even realize. Tim Patrick is six foot four. That's yeah, crazy. bro. He's not some yeah. slouch. Like he's no, real, they're, bro. They're both big. Him yeah, and Sutton. Yep. So we talk about the twin towers. In, in Atlanta, I think it's going to be Twin Towers up there in Denver. All right, guys. Are you, are you ready for a little bit of sizzle on top of that boring, bland pie that you guys have been talking about? Oh, I my got, I, got, I got a good sleeper for, for the people. A player for the people that I'm drafting as often as I can. I'm drafting him ahead of his teammate who's going ahead of him in drafts. James Cook, rookie mm-hmm. running back, Buffalo Bills. To me... Everybody's saying that Devin Singletary is going to be the first and second down option in Buffalo. And obviously, there are reports at a camp where that he was and is going to be the starter. You know, Buffalo has a lot of confidence in Devin Singletary. And I get it. You know, the way that he finished the season was pretty amazing. I mean, from week 14 on in, in, in fantasy football, which is what we care about, he basically scored at least 15 points or more in every single week. <clears throat> and then he had three weeks a three-week stretch where he had between 23 to 25 points. I get it, okay? But James Cook, highly higher drafted, granted, mildly. He was picked 2.31 versus Devin Singletary at 310. They're very similar in size. James Cook's 5'11", 199. Devin Singletary's 5'7", 203 pounds, okay? Singletary's a lot thicker. I mean, he's got over 30 BMI, whereas James Cook's 27. But when you look at just the pure athleticism of these players, okay, Speed score, which is a very – it's a highly correlated stat for these running backs. He had a 4.42 40-yard dash, which equated to 104.3 speed score. That's James Cook. You compare that to Devin Singletary. He was 4.66, which was a 17th percentile speed score. Okay? Mm-hmm. He's a bit of a thumper. But the thing is, is that talent is going to win out in the NFL. And then we talk about these high caloric – Options. We like the third down passing back because receptions are worth more points than a carrier. Okay. <clears throat> and as the season goes on, I guarantee you, James Cook is going to outperform Devin Singletary. And by midseason, he's going to be the starter. So to start the season, you're going to get a solid floor with probably four to five targets a, a week. You hope he gets in the box. He's going to score you 10 to 11 fantasy points. Not great. But it's going to be starting as they get more comfortable with them. We saw the electric upside of Devin Singletary. So imagine De- Devin Singletary on steroids, and that's James Cook. And that's what he's going to produce in this prolific Buffalo offense. He's going way too cheap. 
I get why he is because of the Singletary hype. Don't buy the hype. Draft James Cook. Mike, I know you're on James Cook bandwagon, so so I'm going to go to you first. <laughs> so Validate. looking looking a little bit deeper, what you what you kind of got to look at is what Buffalo has done, not on the player personnel side. But on the coaching personnel side, mm. so they brought back their the offensive line coach who was there when Shady McCoy was in his heyday, a gentleman by the name of Aaron Cromer. Aaron Cromer is a proven O line. Cromer's coach. awesome. Um, yeah, Aaron Cromer produces um, those two years, the 15, 16, when he was in Buffalo. Shady was Shady was a top. He was a he was an RB one. He produced. Um, the thing with Shady is that he's a little bit thicker than Cook is. Shady yeah, generally he's a goes five eleven. <laughs> uh, to a to a certain extent, he's a different dude than Cook. They're both five eleven. Uh, Shady 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 runs two ten. Cook's going one ninety five right now. So you wonder <sighs> if you know if Cook get, if Cook puts on ten pounds and gets into that two oh five range, you wonder what what kind of you know what kind of NFL workload he can carry. Cromer was the offensive line coach with the Rams in 2019 and you look at how that running game produced obviously Todd Gurley was special at that period of time so I think yeah. that the moves that they're making in the in the on the coaching staff leads you to believe that this is going to be the run game is going to be different this this year than it has been in the past so you know last year it was it was you were you were stuck deciding between Zach Moss and then Devin Singletary took over at the end but nothing really inspired much confidence in you I think you look at the talent you look at the talent of Cook you look at you know, you look at the lineage of Cook. Uh, obviously, he comes from a football family. He's not his brother, but is he seventy five percent of his brother? Oh, for where he's going in drafts, I'll take it if he is. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't mind where he's going. He's not get. It's this is not the rookie drafts. Okay, this is no, this is mm-hmm. overall redraft. He's going at a great value because he, he does have he does possess that possible upside that you guys are talking about. I you guys would be proud of me. I I, I just took him. At pick ninety nine, um, has my RB three. When when there's a value to be taken, I will take the value. But I, what I'm just telling you is that they they like Devin Singletary. Allen's still gonna run. He's still gonna be that guy. With Dayball being gone, we really don't know how they're gonna go. We really like. Are they gonna be this uber pass happy offense that's gonna be pushing it deep down the field constantly, like with Dayball, or are they gonna? Check it down more often. What are they going to do? So we got to play it by ear, but that that Cook is going out of value right now. I can't argue against the pick in that zone because that is a good pick. That's a good pick because, like you said, the guy can p- catch passes, and he's always going to have that built-in five to six, you know, four to four points because he can catch passes, and then whatever he does with yardage and touchdowns after that. Um, but you know, it's just. He's got a good floor, so I get it. He's in a great offense. You want almost every piece of that offense, man. So Cook is yeah. – I get it, man. I get it. But I do believe they like themselves from Devin Singletary, and I think they respect Devin Singletary a lot because he's carried the load when nobody was there for them. That means a lot to coaching staffs and means a lot to organizations. Um, I think it's going to be a split backfield for a while. But like you said, who knows? You know, like towards the end of the season, if Cook is popping off, then they might rotate it to where he's sixty percent. You know, getting snap share sixty percent. That's, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah. He's, of course, he's that's what have, you want. Yeah, yeah. He's never going to have seventy percent. He's never going to be a workhorse with that size. But if yeah. he can get, because he's probably going to be forty sixty now in favor of Singletary, right? And if he can get flip that sixty to forty to, to Cook, and he, I'm of the opinion that you don't spend round two draft capital on James mm-hmm. Cook. 
when there's they're guys not like high talent, you can get rounds five or six if you're not going to use them. So they're saying all the right things about Devin Singletary. You know, there's mm-hmm. that veteran deference, right, where they're going to favor the veteran to start. I respect that. Devin Singletary proved to us that he could be a good running back. It's going to be a lightning and thunder type thing. And give me the lightning. Flash I'm just sizzle. so my thing is is like how how is this offense going to break down? Are they going to be sixty percent pass, seventy you know sixty five percent pass? That's something that's to be seen. But you're right, dude. He can you know he can catch passes like better than anybody else in this in this draft. Besides you know um, Brees Hall, that's it. There's uh, Brees yeah. Hall is the only guy that is better than him at that. Yeah, so I, I I'm of the opinion when it comes to the offense, the Bills Buffalo Bills offense, they were one of the past happiest teams in the league last year right so that favors mm-hmm. the pass catching running back james yes yeah cook i'm yeah. of the opinion that as josh allen continues to mature in his career that they're going to try to continue to, to to step back a little bit they're not going to have design plays necessarily for josh allen he's still going to run with the ball but they're going to oh, try yeah. to say you know what, josh instead of you know putting your body at risk just just check it down to that running back that's why we brought the guy in Let's keep the body healthy for the playoffs. And that's going to result in... You'll see that early in the season. I I believe that you'll see that more early in the season. And then when the games start mattering a ton, I think Allen's going to be like... (laughs) I'm 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 taking this thing over, but that, that you know it that, that offense point, is 100% ran through you know Allen and that right arm of his. So and yeah. his legs are just a bonus, but you know the guy is a star. So I'm I'm excited to see what Cook. This is a great debate. I love it. Uh, yeah. We we debated really hard on this in in rookie draft season, and uh, I'm excited to see where this offense is going to go because it's a whole new it's a it's a new coaching staff, man. So we really don't yeah. know what they want to do. You know what I know what I want to do? I just want to do more drafts, get more exposure <laughs> to all of these players. Because honestly, like this is what's fun about about this time of the year, right? It, it's it's getting our flags planted for all of our deep sleepers. And we're going to be here all off season. It's just getting started. I feel like July 4th, turn a calendar over. All those fantasy stations you listen to go from baseball to football. Thank and Scott Fish Bowls on Monday. That's mm-hmm. usually kind of like the, the big party for the mm-hmm. fantasy football industry as a whole. So it's it's going to be exciting. I'm getting excited, and I'm excited for all the content we're going to be producing. So let's end it there, guys. Yep. You can follow Mike Dickinson on Twitter at Mike underscore Dickinson. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon D. Adam 19. And, of course, you can follow me, Shane Seeley, at Flex Network 1. So for Mike, for Brandon, I'm Shane, and we are the DFS Army Fantasy Football Show.